Matthew chapter 26. Again, thank you so much for being here today. I want to take just a moment before we begin the message and, uh, <clears throat> and find out how many of you uh, served in our nation's military. Uh, it doesn't matter the branch of service. I know there's these uh, little rivalries between the Army and Marines or the Navy and Marines or, or whatever, and, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, but at the end of the day, we're all on the same team, amen? And uh, how many of you, uh, man or woman, matters not, you served in our nation's military. Would you please stand? We'd like to recognize you at this time. Don't be bashful. There you go. Uh, you served in our nation's military. And, of course, uh, remain standing for just a moment, fellas and, uh, and ladies. And, uh, of course, uh, we owe these men and these ladies a tremendous debt of gratitude. And uh, they, don't, they not only represent those who fought and came home, but they also represent hundreds of thousands of others who went and did not come home. And, uh, and we owe those folks a, a debt of gratitude as well. Uh, you, uh, you're able to have an out outdoor picnic or barbecue or whatever tomorrow because of these men and women. And uh, give them a big hand. Thank you, you may be seated. Truth is, <clears throat> we, uh, we're able to assemble in church this morning because of folks like this. The freedoms that we enjoy, the freedom of speech, freedom to assemble, uh, freedom, you know, our uh, freedom of the press that has been so uh, just uh, really, uh, just I can't even begin to describe how poorly that's been handled, but uh, that freedom itself was earned by these men and, and folks like them and ladies. And so uh, we're, we're forever indebted to you. Thank you so much <clears throat> on this Memorial Day weekend. Matthew chapter 26, and uh, we'll begin reading the Word of God uh, in verse number 6. So if you'll uh, stand with me, if you will, for the reading of God's Word. Matthew 26, and we'll begin reading in verse number 6. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in, that he hath pour, uh, for in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Notice verse uh, 13. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, uh, what this woman hath done, be told for a memorial of her. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted. Uh, covenanted him or with him for 30 pieces of silver. Look with me once again, if you will, back at verse 13. About Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done to be told for a memorial of her. I want to talk to you this morning, preach to you this message. How will you be remembered? How will you be remembered on this? Memorial Day, as we think about remembering folks who have paid the ultimate sacrifice, I believe you'll see where we're headed as we jump into the message. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your graciousness to us. Thank you for these uh, men and women who uh, some are in our church family 
even this morning, who have uh, served in the military, and they represent a host of people uh, to whom we owe a great debt. I pray that you'd help us to be mindful of them throughout the weekend. I pray that you'd bless our country. Uh, Father, may it be said that these men and women who served and those who died for our country did not do so in vain. I pray that you'd help us be what we ought to be, that salt of the earth, that we should be as your children uh, to bring our country back to God. I pray that you'd help us in these next few moments, challenge us, provoke us to love and to good works, and instruct us by your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. <coughs> this story is told in more than one of the Gospels. In fact, it, it appears in at least three of the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, and again the book of John. It is a touching story about a woman who takes a box of ointment that was very expensive, and to show her love for the Savior, she breaks that box of ointment and she pours it on the head of our Savior. And uh, when she does that, of course, she got some different reactions to, uh, to that act of devotion. The Bible says that there were some folks there. In fact, we later learned that they were disciples led by Judas Iscariot himself who found fault with that and who criticized that act and said, look, uh, she, should have, uh, she should have sold that box of ointment and, uh, and taken the money from the proceeds of that sale and given it to the poor. And, uh, and of course, Jesus, he uh, uh, immediately uh, puts those disciples in their place and said, look, uh, she's done a good thing. She has done a good thing. By the way, you can't ever sacrifice too much for Christ. You know, sometimes we get a little bit of a martyr's complex about our life and about our lot in life and about what we do for the Lord or about what we experience. And, and if we're not careful, we'll develop that complex that says, you know, I've, I've sacrificed much for him. Can I, can I help all of us, including myself? Nothing that I do for Christ, nothing that you do for Christ is anything compared to what he's done for us. Uh, he made the ultimate sacrifice. So anything that I do for him pales in comparison to what he did for me. Uh, Jesus <coughs> makes a statement in verse number 13. He said, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. If I may paraphrase, he said, This is how Mary will be remembered. In Matthew and Mark's gospel, we don't read the name of this lady, but in John chapter 12 and verse number 3, we find that this was Mary, the sister of Lazarus. You know, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they were siblings, and, and uh, Jesus frequented their home on occasion. In fact, it was a chapter before uh, in John chapter 11 where Jesus actually raised Lazarus from the dead. And, uh, but he, he, go, he's, he gets specific and, and names this woman. It was indeed Mary. And Jesus said about this woman, he said, this is how she will be remembered, or if you will, this will be her calling card. As I think about Memorial Day and what it means to us as a nation, I think about our servicemen who never came home. I think about those who made the ultimate sacrifice. I think about young men who, in some cases, uh, I'm thinking about uh, my, uh, uh, my pastor, as I was growing up, Dr. Lonnie Graves, he uh, uh, he grew up as a gypsy and was not able to read and write, had just a three, three days, three days of formal education. That's all he had. And uh, he basically tried, he, he, uh, uh, he lied his way into the Army. And uh, he faked having a broken arm, and he uh, had somebody fill out his paperwork for him. But he wanted, it was World War II, and, and he was ready to fight, and, and, uh, and, and that, that's what he did. That's how he got in. 
And I think about that generation. Many people dub that the greatest generation of Americans. Uh, men and women who grew up during the days of the, of the, the, the Great Depression. <clears throat> and then uh, as just young lads and just barely young men themselves uh, were shipped away off to, to fight in either the European theater or the Pacific theater in World War II. And many of them never came home. Not just World War II veterans, but uh, wars that preceded World War II. And, of course, since World War II, the Korean War and, and the Vietnam War and the Persian Gulf War and so on and so forth. But men and women who went and made the ultimate sacrifice. There are cemeteries overseas this morning. Flanders Field that contain thousands of remains of American soldiers. I think about boys who died in Corregidor and those who stormed the beaches at Omaha and Normandy. And, of course, in just a week from now, we'll celebrate the anniversary of the, the great D-Day invasion there as our uh, landing craft and the Allied landing craft landed on the shores of, of Normandy, France, and, just, and, and, and thousands of them, thousands of them uh, bled and died right there on the beaches of, of Normandy, France. Why? So you and I could have church this morning. Amen. So you and I could enjoy the freedoms that we have. <clears throat> I think about those boys that died at Guadalcanal and, and, uh, and those who died in, in Korea and those who died in Vietnam and those who have served in, uh, in peacetime and wartime. Hey, uh, those whose remains were never found, I'm saying they died for a cause. They died for something bigger than themselves. They gave themselves for something greater than themselves and they did it willingly. And today we remember them. I hope that sometime uh, today and tomorrow, before you, before you eat that hot dog or that hamburger, before you have that barbecue or that, uh, that picnic, and I'm not against those things. Those are wonderful. It's a, it's a great opportunity to spend time with family and friends and so on. Not against that at all, but <clears throat> I'm saying let's not forget the meaning of it. Let's not let the, the significance of what they did die because it's why we have what we have. We remember those folks as heroes. We remember them as the guarantors of our freedom. We need to teach our children, by the way, that freedom isn't free. You know, the, further we, the, the, the farther we are removed from uh, generations like the World War II generation and the Korean War generation, the Vietnam generation, the, the, the further we're removed from, from those wars, <clears throat> the greater the danger is of our children just getting the concept or getting the idea that, you know what, it's always been this way, it'll always be this way. We've got to teach them. We've got to train them. We've got to remind them of the price that was paid for us to have what we have. Nothing worthwhile is free. We enjoy what we have as Americans today because hundreds of thousands of men and women died to make it possible. And Memorial Day is more than just a picnic. We remember these soldiers with admiration and respect based on one thing, and that is this. They gave their lives for freedom. They gave their lives for freedom. Jesus said about this woman, he said, <clears throat> for, from now on, this will be a memorial for her. What she did for me this day, the fact that she took that precious box of ointment and she broke it and she poured it on my head, this is how she will be remembered. I want to tie these things together here, if I may, this morning. That brings me to the premise of the message. Jesus said that Mary would forever be, forever be remembered for the sacrificial act of love. Let me ask you a question. How will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? If we could somehow <coughs> go to Arlington National Cemetery 
or even the Great Lakes uh, uh, Veterans Cemetery up here in Holly, and and, uh, and you, you would see the all of the all the markers and all. If we could go to Arlington, you'd see all the crosses and thousands of them, as far as the eye can see, thousands and thousands, and they all represent people who have one thing in common: they gave themselves for their country. They sacrificed for their country. Uh, you know that that's that's how we remember them. How will you be remembered? How will I be remembered? I want to share with you some things this morning from this passage. And as I look at the characters in this story, I see the reputations of these people who were involved. And I, want to, I wonder if maybe we can see ourselves in one of these characters. And, uh, and, and how will we be remembered? I want to share with you, first of all, some people here in the story are remembered as being cynical. Some people in this story are remembered as being critical. Look at verse number, uh, verse number 8, if you will. It says, but when the, this is Matthew chapter 26, verse number 8, but when the disciples, or when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. They looked at something that was precious to the Lord, and they found fault with it. They found fault with it. Now, I don't know exactly what the monetary value of that box of ointment was, but the Bible, the Bible uses the words very precious. It meant something to her. It was, uh, it was very valuable to her. And the Bible says that she just broke it and she poured it on the head of the Savior. And in that, that, that uh, wonderful act of devotion was looked at with scorn by others. And by the way, they were the disciples. <laughs> the disciples, I mean, some of the, the, these men that were handpicked by the Savior. Look, I understand that sometimes we're unduly rough on the disciples. I mean, sometimes, we, uh, sometimes we're tough on them, okay? I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody. Let's face it. They were around the sinless Son of God all the time. And when you're around the Lord, and the closer you get to the Lord, the more glaring your humanity is going to shine through. <laughs> Think about it. Uh, but they really blew it on this occasion. They really messed this one up. Maybe it was just a knee-jerk reaction. Maybe they were just not thinking, but their first reaction to what this woman was doing was to be critical and cynical. You read later on in, uh, in John's Gospel, chapter 12, and verses 3 and following, <clears throat> where it talks about the fact that Judas was really the, he was kind of the ringleader in all this. He held the bag. He's the one that said, hey, somebody should have sold that ointment and, uh, and taken that money and given it to the poor. And the Bible talks about it in John chapter 12 and says that, that, uh, that, that Judas was a thief. He didn't care about the poor. He cared about lining his own pockets with some of that money. And uh, he held the bag for the disciples. And, but what I want, and we'll get to him in just a few moments, but, but the, the Bible talks about the group of disciples as being critical. Hey, does that describe us this morning? Will we be remembered as a critic? Boy, I hope not. Would, be, would we be remembered <clears throat> as someone who is cynical toward the things of God? Boy, that ought not be said of God's people. It ought not be said of one of us. But some are remembered as being cynical. They, uh, they, were, uh, uh, they, they, they found fault with what this lady did. By the way, uh, whatever it is that you're looking at, you can find fault with just about anything. If you're looking to find fault, you can find it. <laughs> you know why? Because we live in a world full of sinners. Seven billion of us on this planet Earth right now. We're, we're all full of faults. And if, if you're looking to find fault, then you can find fault. But here's this 
dear lady, Mary, is, as it were, and she, she, in this moment of devotion, she, perhaps she'd been saving this box of ointment for years, not knowing what to do with it or, 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 or uh, uh, when to use it or what occasion to use it on, and here she takes it, and not thoughtlessly, not, uh, not something that she did off the cuff or flippantly, I believe it was something that was planned. And she, on purpose, anointed the head of our Savior and, uh, and prepared his body for the burying, not knowing what was about to happen, but somebody found fault with it. Someone found fault with it. You know, look, that's no way to live. That's no way to live. Uh, anybody can be critical. Anybody can be a fault finder. A anybody can be a, a, a griper. Let's not, let's not be remembered for that. Let's not be remembered as, uh, as someone who is uh, cynical, someone who is uh, 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 critical of things. Let's look for, hey, look for the good in people. Look for the good in your spouse. Look for the good in your children. <clears throat> look for the good in brothers and sisters in Christ. Hey, I'm simply saying, <clears throat> if you're looking for fault, you'll find it in everybody because we're all full of faults. I see some are remembered as cynical. Then I want you to see number two this morning. One is remembered as selfish. One is remembered as selfish. Judas will forever be remembered as someone who had his hand on the doorknob of heaven and yet died and went to hell. What a sad, what a sad reality. For the last 2,000 years, Judas Iscariot has been in the, uh, in, in, the, in the depths of hell as someone who shook hands with the Son of God. Someone who ate meals with him. Someone who spoke with him on a regular basis. Someone who was firsthand witness to all of the things or many of the things that Jesus did. And yet he died and went to hell, the Bible says. What a tragedy. I want you to notice something about Judas in verse number 14. Back in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 26 in our text, in verse number 14, we see a glimpse of Judas and his self-centered thinking. Look at verse 14. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests, and he said unto them, What will ye give me? What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted, uh, covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. Apparently, this happens immediately after this episode where after Mary had anointed the head of our Savior, Judas leaves that meeting, goes to the uh, chief priest and said, what will ye give me? After being critical of this lady who pours that, uh, that, that oil uh, or that ointment on the head of the Savior in an unbelievable sacrificial act of devotion, Judas goes to them and says, hey, what are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for me? What a lousy way to live. Only thinking of himself. Only concerned with self-gratification and self-service. The Bible says that they covenanted together, uh, Judas and the chief priest, for 30 pieces of silver. He sold, he was a traitor to the Son of God for 30 lousy pieces of silver. I don't know what 30 pieces of silver is in our, uh, in our economy, in our monetary system, as far as the equivalency to the U.S. dollar, but I guarantee you it wasn't enough. Not near enough. How do you put a price on that? But yet you see a glimpse of Judas and his self-centeredness, Judas and his selfishness. That sounds a lot like our society today, doesn't it? Hey, that's not what Memorial Day weekend is all about. Hey, God give us a, a generation of Americans <coughs> who live, <coughs> excuse me, who live for someone besides themselves. 
You know, I was listening uh, the other day, uh, I came across a video of the inaugural speech of, of President Kennedy back, I believe it was uh, uh, 1961, I guess it would have been. And of course, in that inaugural speech is when he gave that famous, that famous quote that we all recognize. Ask not what your country can do for you, but rather ask what you can do for your country. And boy, we hear that and we're stirred and we're saying, man, that's what, that, that's what America is all about. That's what the American spirit is all about, doing something for someone else. But hey, you look at where we've come since he made that statement some 50 some odd years ago and we've come a long ways. Because as a country, as a society, everybody's looking out for number one. Everybody's looking out for themselves. That self-centered mentality, hey, <clears throat> is that how we want to be remembered? I don't think so. Do we want to be remembered as, 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 as folks who are just self-serving and self-centered and looking out for us and me and my and mine and ours? Hey, why don't we live for someone else? Why don't we follow the example of our Savior? The Bible says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant. Hey, it's all about living for someone else. This life is all about you looking for the needs of someone else. Hey, our homes, our marriages, our church, our, our relationships with others could be so enhanced if we would just forget about ourselves long enough and live for someone else. I think about the song, <clears throat> and I, I, to be honest with you, I, I had heard this, uh, uh, the, the chorus of this song several times, but never stopped to look up the, the, the verses to it, but I want to share it with you this morning. Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer shall be for others. Help me in the work I do to ever be sincere and true and know that all I do for you must needs be done for others. Let self be crucified and slain and buried deep and all in vain. May efforts be to rise again unless to live for others. And when my work on earth is done and my new work in heaven's begun, may I forget the crown I've won while thinking still of others. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I may live like thee. Hey, listen to me, church. I'm simply saying this morning, <clears throat> I don't want to be remembered as somebody who is all about me. All about me. All about my needs. Well, you know, preacher, I'm, just, I'm a little upset because so-and-so didn't speak to me in church last week. Let me ask you a question. Did you speak to so-and-so? <laughs> You know, I'm a little bit upset because <clears throat> something was done for someone and it, doesn't, it wasn't done for me. And, and you know, but we, and that's our thinking. And if we don't guard against that, that's how we're going to be remembered. I see that some were, known, were remembered for their cynicism. Some were remembered as being selfish. And then I want you to see finally this morning, and we're done. One is remembered as special. One is remembered as special. The ointment that Mary poured on the head of our Savior was referred to as, quote-unquote, very precious. Very precious. It was expensive. It cost her a lot of money. It wasn't something that she just disregarded as, well, you know, it's not something that, well, you know, what can I do for Christ? Oh, that's been sitting around for a while. I think I'll give him that. No, that wasn't it at all. I believe she thought through it. I believe she, she saw that box of ointment and she had been saving it for perhaps many years and not knowing where to use it or how to uh how to you know uh whatever cash it in or sell it or whatever but she said you know what 
It means a lot to me. And she said, I know what I'll do. I'll give it to Christ. I'll give it to him. It's worth a lot to me, but he's worth more to me. This act of love was not overlooked by Christ. He saw not only the act, but he also saw the heart behind the act. And by the way, God knows your heart. God knows your heart. He knows your motives. Hey, it's easy for us to look at one another and, and try to be a judge over someone's motives. Can I tell you something? That's dangerous territory. It's not my job to judge anybody's motives. Oh, you know, I, I see what she did. I know why she did that. Oh, you do? Really? <laughs> oh, I, I see what he did. I know why he did that. He was trying to get in good with something. No, you don't. It's not our job to judge motives. It's his job to judge motives. But the truth of the matter is, <clears throat> he who knows everything knew the motive uh, behind this act, and he saw not only what she did, but he also saw the heart behind what she did. He saw the sacrifice involved, and he saw the devotion behind it. He recognized the heart of worship and adoration that drove this woman to do what she did. And Jesus said to this lady, this will be her memorial. This is how she's going to be remembered. The one who gave the most precious earthly possession she had as an act of love for her Lord. Let me ask you a question. How will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? We've got three stories here, three sets of characters here. One group of guys, they were critical about what was done. Will you be remembered as a critic? And then there was one who was selfish in, in his actions and, boy, couldn't wait to get back to betray the Son of God. And will you be remembered as selfish? Or perhaps you'll be remembered as this little lady. Well, I hope that's the case. How is she going to be remembered? You know, we only get one shot at life. Only the opportunity and time to make a, a difference in eternity. Just one shot at it. Just one shot at it. You understand something? Your life is on the, on the, the screen of eternity is not even a speck. You really, it's hard for us to comprehend. But if this whole wall <clears throat> in front of you were, represents eternity, I understand eternity has no beginning, has no end. It's, it's impossible for us to comprehend this. <clears throat> but if this whole wall was represented eternity and we just put one little tiny, the, the, the smallest possible representation of an ink mark on that wall, that would be an exaggeration as far as, as, far as the amount of time you have compared to eternity. There's no comparison. You get one shot at it. You get one opportunity to influence all of eternity in that little bit of time, that little bit of span that God gives you. You get one crack at it. How are you going to be remembered? If we could go to Arlington National Cemetery this morning and, and see the thousands of crosses lined up symmetrically, each one serving as a reminder, a reminder of a life that was spent for one's country. And yes, we would stand there in awe and admiration and we would be humbled that so many people gave so much of what they had for the sake of their country. A reminder of the debt that we owe, the debt of gratitude to those men and women, but also it ought to challenge each and every one of us to spend our lives for something that matters. Whether you're a young person or a senior saint, you've still got time. You've still got time. Whether you are a teenager or a young married couple or uh, you're middle-aged like some of us, Whatever your stage of life is, hey, you've got today. 
Make it count. Make it count. Hey, what you do today will determine, will determine how you're remembered tomorrow. The actions, the devotion, the love, the worship, the service, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the influence that you give to your children and grandchildren, hey, that's going to determine how you're going to be remembered one day. Will you be remembered as the critic? Will you be remembered as the cynic? Will you be remembered as the selfish? Or would you be remembered as the one who sacrificed, the one who gave of, her, of herself? Will you be remembered as the one who said, you know, this isn't much, but it's all I have? Can I tell you something? <clears throat> God doesn't need what you don't have. <laughs> I love that story over in Exodus where God came to Moses there in the burning bush and, and uh, Moses said, God, I can't do what you want me to do. I can't go where you want me to go. God, I know you want me to go and be a, your spokesman to Pharaoh. I can't do that, God. I've got, a, uh, I've got a speech impediment. I just can't go. I don't have the personality for it. You've you got the wrong address, God. And God, I love the line. God said to Moses, what is that in thine hand? What is that in thine hand? And Moses said, well, it's a rod. He said, throw it on the ground. Of course, you know the story. He threw it on the ground, and, and that rod became a snake. And, and God said, Moses, pick it up. And, and if I had been Moses, I think I'd have ran the other way. <clears throat> Me and snakes don't mix very well. But Moses bends over and picks up that snake, and it becomes a rod in his hand again. I believe the, I believe the lesson was simply this. Moses, if you don't have it, I don't need it. Moses, I've, I've given you everything you need to make a difference. I've given you the wherewithal to do what I've asked you to do. Now, Moses, I just need you to obey. Hey, Maybe God's the same way with us. You get one life. Make it count. How will you be remembered? Hopefully, not a critic or a cynic. Hopefully, not a fault finder. Hopefully, not a self-centered individual. This little lady, Mary, made a difference. She made a difference. One simple yet profound act of devotion was a demonstration of her love for the Savior. And if we love him, we too will look for ways to demonstrate our love. We'll look for ways to demonstrate our love. Hey, you know what? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, you want to demonstrate your love for me? He said, just simply, hey, find out, <clears throat> find out what I prefer and do it. Obey. That's all. That's all. Hey, I'm simply saying this morning, how will you be remembered? You know, hundred years from now, all of us will be just a memory. I know we don't like to talk about this, but it's reality. Death is certain for every single one of us. We only have a brief time, respect, uh, uh, comparatively speaking, here on this earth. <clears throat> and a few years from now, all of us will be a memory to the generations that follow us. How are we going to be remembered? How are we going to be remembered? Selfish? Hope not. Cynical? Critical? Hope not. Or someone who not only loved God, but sought to live a life that demonstrated that love for God. Hey, I, I promise you this. Anything that you would give Christ pales in comparison to what he's given, given to you, what he's given to us. Hey, there's nothing that I can do for God that would, that would even come close to demonstrating what he's done for me. Or payback for what he's done for me. Hey, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I tell you, say, what's he done for me? I'm glad you asked. 
Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth 2,000 years ago, and he bled and died and was buried and rose again from the dead to pay your sin debt so that you could go to heaven, so that you wouldn't have to go through the flames of hell, so that you wouldn't have to spend one moment of eternity away from God in a Christless place called the lake of fire. Hey, that's what he did for you. And he did it all for you because he loves you that much. And he wants you to come to know him. He wants you to know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Every head bow, every eye is closed.